I'm Brandon Amoroso, and this is the D2Z Podcast, building and growing your business from a Gen Z perspective. Hey everyone, it's Brandon Amoroso with Electric Marketing, and today I'm sitting down with Chase Alderton, uh, partner manager over at Recharge, who is going to walk through customer lifetime value with us. It's great to have you on, Chase. Super excited to chat through this with you. I'm pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. So just to give everybody a little bit of context in case you're not sure what customer lifetime value is, essentially what that means is how much revenue a customer is worth to you over the course of their time with your brand. So if I were to place an order at, let's say Chase has a Shopify site, I place a $100 order six months ago, I placed a $50 order two months ago, and I just placed another $75 order today, my lifetime value is going to be $225 to that brand. So now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, I want to dive into how important personalized transactional touch points are for brands. Have you seen that when you're working with a brand or any sort of recharge customers, what sort of impact the notifications that are coming out of recharge can have in terms of uh, impacting the customer lifetime value? and making sure that everybody is sort of aware and on the same page of what the subscription entails and, and what the benefits are of that program. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I think there's a couple different pieces in there, but I, I generally break this down into two sides. So most of the notifications that come out of recharge, well, not most, all of them can be customized. That being said, the first piece of this kind of important side is that you have to have notifications. You have to let people know because subscriptions are coming up. So there's an upcoming charge notification. You're going to get a shipment. You're going to get a delivery notification. Maybe you're out of town. So you may have to end up skipping a notification or skipping a shipment. Um, there's notifications everywhere. So you have to make sure that those notifications are enabled. That's kind of table stakes first and foremost. The importance of personalizing and customizing those, that's where you really start to see some uplift. So I think um, for, for example, a, a, uh, upcoming shipment notification, you can play around with these things and you can have, you have some fun with them. Nobody loves seeing that email come through just saying, Hey, we're about to charge a credit card for $50. That's not the <laughs> most fun email to get. So you can play these things up, you know, what's in the upcoming box, or if it's just a recurring order, you know, what, what are you using this product for? Is it a t-shirt? Is it coffee? You know, something like that. You know, are you excited to wear your shirt this next coming month? Are you low on coffee? We're about to ship your new shipment, you know, get excited for those kind of things. So there's a lot of ways you can customize it within that. That's not just a plain HTML black and white, like, Hey, we're going to charge your card 50 bucks, you know, heads up. That's where you <laughs> see most cancels. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of the recharge Clavio integration. Because when we get those notifications over into Clavio, we're then able to do those conditional splits off of all the data that we have on that person. So we can know like, oh, this person is usually a purchaser. Let's use a wine company as an example. Like they usually purchase red wine versus they usually purchase white wine, or this is a VIP customer versus this is somebody who's not in the loyalty program. And so then with your quick actions integration that you guys have, we're able to not only personalize the content that we're sending to them, we can we can let them in on like a special uh, one-time trial that they can add to their next order which sort of sort of uh, takes the attention away from the fact that you are like your subscription coming it's more about like hey look at this cool thing that you're going to be able to get to try as well in addition to that subscription box that's heading out wine's an awesome example because it's seasonal if you drink white and red and rosé and sparkling all these kind of things so if you're coming into your spring and summer months where it's about to be a little bit warmer, there's an opportunity on that email to say, hey, I know you're you're subscribed to this red wine. Do you want to try a white wine? <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you want to try a white wine? Do you want to try a rosé? 
maybe some sort of upsell, some sort of cross-sell. Are you sick of your red wine? You've now had this six months in a row. I know you love it. It's delicious. Would you like to swap it out and try a different red wine? All of that kind of stuff are just customized touch points. So when you break it all the way down, you don't have to think about it as a, a crazy upsell or cross-sell or how do I customize these notifications or whatever. It's it's you do right by the customer. Pretend you're just standing right in front of them. How would you actually communicate to this person? I think the coolest thing is us being able to see within Recharges Analytics that because there's a fear like, oh, we're going to we're going to let the customer know it's coming. They're going to cancel. And obviously, lifetime value is going to go down because they're canceling and they're not going to place any more orders. But it couldn't be any less true. Um, we see time and time again with all of our merchants, the customers who are interacting with the quick action links are worth more to the brand over the course of their life with them, even if they skip a subscription. Usually it means if you skip a subscription, you're engaged with it. And so you're, you're, you're thankful to the brand that you're able to do that with one click and you can just manage it how you want to. So that is that customer experience that's so integral. You're spot on. I do want to make one clarification though. For, for notifications that are not customized, we actually do see a pretty big drop off on that upcoming notification email because it's a really simple like, hey, your card's about to get hit for 50 bucks, heads up. And a lot of people yeah. see that and think like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll probably going to skip that one this month. When you can customize it and you can show the value, here's your wine, here's your coffee, here's why it's so exciting. It's this brand, it's this variation, whatever it is. That's where people start to opt in and they interact with their subscription and they do the swaps and the upsells and the, the skips and all those kind of things, all positive outcomes. Uh, and we do see a lot higher retention and therefore higher LTV. How important do you think it is for brands to start investing in like a concierge level post-purchase experience where you've got a team of CX specialists who are there to provide that white glove treatment when somebody needs more than what the uh, the emails that we are building over at Electric like can uh, can afford them. They need more of support. You, you are definitely the CX, CX expert. I'll let you definitely chime in on why that's super important. I just think the reason brick and mortar stuff is not dying and everyone thought, oh, it's the e-commerce age. Everything's going to die. Malls are going to go out of business. The reason it's not dying is because people like that customized touch. You like to go into a store and talk to someone and shake a hand and see what's going on. If you can customize those notifications and if you can work on a post-purchase experience that makes it feel like it's personal to you, and I know we're overusing the word personalized and customized, but if you can actually create something that's fun for the, for the subscriber that makes them want to come back, makes them feel like they actually are a part of the brand and engaging with that, that's hugely, hugely valuable. You can't even put a number on that. As far as the CX, uh, you know, experts, I'll let you speak to that. <laughs> so, I mean, it's crazy how, I mean, it does more than just increase lifetime value. You also generate sort of a brand ambassador. Like if you have somebody who reaches out and even if it is a negative experience, if they're supported and you give them that white glove treatment and they feel like they're actually important to your brand, they're going to turn around and spread that positive experience with their friends, with their family, and they're going to turn into a proponent for you. So I think it's really important to invest in having that team that's there versus, and it, this is across all channels, both email, SMS, nothing pains me more than when I reply to a text from a brand and there's nobody on the other line to reply to me. And it's like, why the hell am I even subscribed to your SMS marketing list? It's a conversational form of marketing. You're not going to reply to me. Why, why even bother having it as a channel? So it is in, it's just super important that all of our brands invest in that. And I think as it goes for the SMS side of things, the recharge SMS and what we've been able to do with allowing customers that level of just ease 
for managing their subscriptions. I mean, the Clavio Quick Actions is one thing, but that's email. It's not nearly as uh, sort of present as your text inbox. And so when I get a text from my favorite coffee brand that my order is coming in three days, and I can just send back a number and it's automatically going to take an action in my account. I don't have to log in. I don't have to do anything. It's, it's crazy awesome. It's just such a great experience. It's the same deal with like the the bots on a on a landing page on a site. It's like, if this is not going to work the way it's supposed to work, like why are we even having this conversation? No, I, I think the recharge SMS thing is a great point that, you know, we're moving in a direction where people are always on their phones. Obviously, it's easy to get email on your phone. So I think that something like Quick Actions is definitely valuable there. But having that SMS option to just log in super quickly, even just for me, I subscribe to a whole bunch of things, but getting that email and saying, hey, you know, your order is upcoming, you're about to get charged for this. If you want to skip, if you want to swap, log into the customer portal and make your change. By the time I, I'm you know, getting my coffee and scrolling through my phone and I see that email in the morning and I think like, okay, I'll just log on as soon as I get to my computer, even just that like 30 feet back into my office, I forget about those things. So having that on your phone is just so present to be able to say, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Let me skip that two weeks or let me postpone that or let me swap you know, flavors or colors, whatever it is. Um, hugely, hugely valuable for, for retention and for LTV. And I've noticed there's sort of a trend where there's brands that are almost afraid to speak with their subscription customers because, oh, like you're a subscription customer. Let's leave you in that bucket over there. We don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to sort of poke you too much or let you know anything else that's going on except for that upcoming order. But I think that's where brands are missing out. We like to come in and sort of build out retention strategies that start immediately at that first purchase. So there's some sort of personalized like onboarding flow to this is your subscription. This is how you manage it. This is why you're benefiting more than somebody who's just purchasing as a one-shot customer from our brand. Get them up to speed with how to manage on the customer portal. Like all that is very important. And I think we're, I think we're maybe hopefully, maybe I'm just too close to the picture to see what's really going (laughs) on. But I think three, four, five years ago, I think a lot of subscription brands started using subscriptions to try to squeeze out an extra month or two of, of subscribers payments where they would say, cool, they're subscribed. Like, let's just leave it and hope they forget. And we can get an extra two or three months out of this. I think we're moving away from that. I think people actually understand the value subscriptions, but it's a really good point on, on creating a retention strategy that really starts at acquisition. So I'm going to flip the script here. How, how do you start to think about retention even before you've really even acquired a customer? So I think it comes down to what is the experience to get them to make that first purchase? If you're sort of getting them into a subscription and and you've seen it before, it's like the sampler pack that you try for five bucks and then, Oh, holy shit. 30 days later, look at that. (laughs) I'm in a subscription. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is not, uh, nobody wants that. Um, And sure it might bump your revenue and it might look nice to investors for a little bit, but in the long term, you're going to be damaging your brand. You're going to have to deal with some online reputation issues that are going to open up a whole nother bucket of worms. So for me, it's slow and sustainable growth versus, Hey, we found this new like shiny offer that's going to produce really great initial results, but then cause so many headaches down the line. And so aligning on that offer is really important. So you're talking about like if you do run a um, like an intro box or a, t- a tester trial or something, and then getting to that first subscription and having that like auto flip in there, that's a really important dynamic of making sure that it actually flows, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you could, I mean, if you're going to test it, you want to make sure that you are as like upfront as possible for what you're getting into. Um, otherwise, you're just going to have so much sort of 
negative will from that particular customer and you're going to lose them. I mean, they could potentially be, a, they could have been a one-shot customer from you. We try, like we have a couple of brands that we work with who are so dead set on subscriptions that it's almost impossible to purchase a one-shot order from the website. But sort of my opinion is why don't you bring them in with that one-shot order? Maybe they purchase once or twice and then let's have those personalized transactional touch points that hammer the value prop of the subscription to somebody who's already familiar and comfortable with your brand. I think the upsell from uh, to somebody who's already a one-shot customer into becoming a subscription customer is way easier than trying to convince somebody who's never heard of your brand before, hey, I'm going to join this as a subscription. Um, You're spot on. And, and it, gets, it gets to a little bit confusing when you start to try to build out all of these intake flows because then you have people who are trying a subscription box who you're trying to convert to a subscriber. You have people who are just wanting to buy one time that you're trying to convert. You have people that have no desire that are trying, that are just buying one time. You have people who are just landing on the site. Then you have like also natural subscription offers. So trying to figure out where all of these things go is difficult to do, but as long as you understand what you're looking for up front, you can build those flows and you can understand what customers want from A to B to C in order to get them to that subscription. And then it all just folds in on top of each other. Now you're talking notification emails. Now you're talking post-purchase experience. Now you're talking value ads and, and um, you know, social support and all those kind of things. And it just layers over the top of each other. But I think that it all starts kind of at the end with retention. You have to figure out how are you going to keep this person before they even get on board. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think the efforts that we put in place around aggregating zero-party data, whether it's through a quiz or through a post-purchase survey, uh, especially when it's a one-shot customer, that data arms us with the uh, basically the personalization tool set that we need to go and turn that person into a subscription customer because our marketing messaging to them is going to be way more effective if we know that, oh, um, Brandon really likes red wine. He's all about Italy, maybe even Southern Italy. And this he likes to drink wine on the weekends with his friends. And so then we send him an email about how like we drop in a review of somebody else who really loved Italian Reds. And this is what they had to say about the subscription program. And it just, the opportunities are endless from there. It's such an easy example, but it really illustrates like how important all of those touch points are. Um, I want to ask you another question though. How, how has this whole zero party data thing kind of played out in your world? That's not something I get a ton of interaction on. So I'm curious to learn from you. You know, you know, Facebook and everybody are limiting the amount of data we can collect. How how has that been kind of a challenge and how have you leveraged it to become a success with your merchants? So the two easiest things to implement for any brand is a quiz and a post-purchase survey. Yeah. Uh, the right really giving you the info. Exactly. Yeah. So the difference between zero party data and first party data is the first party data is everything that we're getting from a like Let's say I go on uh, Nike.com and I purchase a red pair of shoes, and these are the pages that I looked at. That's all first-party data, so I'm not necessarily voluntarily giving it to uh, the brand. Whereas the zero-party data is that quiz or that post-purchase survey, where the brand is quite literally asking me, "Hey, how do you want to like be communicated with moving forward? Or what do you like about this? Or how could we better serve you?" And I'm knowingly giving that company my information so that they can then go tailor my uh, experience moving forward based off of the responses. Now, you need to walk before you run because if you ask 15 questions at the post-purchase survey and then you don't do anything with it and everybody still gets the same like 
cookie cutter post-purchase flow, it's sort of like, why the hell did I just give you all that information if you're not actually going to tailor my experience? So I like to think about it in terms of how would I want to personalize the communications? And then from there, you can figure out, okay, these are the questions I need to ask to get the information that I want to use for the personalization. Whereas I feel like sometimes you're just like, what are all the things that I should be asking about? And then let's figure out the personalization later. I like to do it in the reverse way. And I, I'm assuming it's because the more questions you ask, the higher likelihood they have to stop going through the flow and not check out or not, you know, give not complete the action you're trying to get, right? That also plays a factor as well, too. Uh, the nice thing, we typically are using like Octane for quizzes and uh, Enquire Labs for a post-purchase survey. And the nice thing is that we have that as a level of visibility into where the drop-off is. So maybe asking you what your name is in the quiz really isn't that important because we're going to get that at checkout anyways. And we actually saw that with uh, with your super. One of the asked for name, great, we rolled it out. It was a 14% drop-off on that particular question. Why are we asking it? Let's just remove it. So we removed it and we asked the important questions that are going to help us personalize content based off of, oh, like you're really interested in detox and you're dealing with these particular health issues. That's what we need to personalize the content. We don't need to know your name. Everybody knows like, hey, first name. It's not it's not uh, not anything uh, new there. So that level of uh, analytics is really important for us. But interestingly enough, I will say for the post-purchase survey, if you answer the first question, there's a 90% chance you're going to answer multiple questions thereafter. So really it's getting that first one and then you can start to layer on more and more questions. So don't be afraid either of asking for more because you'd be surprised at how much uh, customers will give you. So then there's definitely some strategy on what question do you want answered first? Because if you exactly. get that first one done, then you can know that you're most likely going to roll into a couple other ones. Exactly. Um, I can actually give you another example on, on the, uh, the intake forms on like an octane quiz coming in with, uh, pets as a vertical. I think a really cool thing that we have seen just based off the name thing is that when people can put in the name of their pet, that's usually the first question on the, on the intake form. So it's mm -hmm. saying like, cool, we're going to customize a plan for you, whether it's healthcare or food or whatever it is, they say, you know, what's your pet's name? And if you put that first name in there, you're more likely to keep going because then they pull that name and put that in the questions for every additional question they do. So they do, you know, hey, uh, you know, what's your pet's name? You type in, you know, Buddy. The second question, that first thing that's going to come up is say, how often does Buddy eat? And it feels all of a sudden that they know who you are and that they're actually having a conversation with you. Again, importance of a customized touch point there. Then they're really, really tapping on this. Like, we know who you are. We're trying to get you exactly what you want. It's very customized. This isn't coming to anyone else. This is going to be exactly for your pet. And great example, because my barking dog in the background, but also because we built a quiz for uh, a recharge customer on the unified checkout that essentially does exactly what you just mentioned here. So we're asking dog's name, we're asking what type, we're asking other various sort of uh, questions, but this leads into a personalized uh, subscription offering. And it'll have a certain, um, like based on the dog's weight, based off of their flavor preferences, you're now given Okay, let's say your dog's 10 pounds, you're going to be given two bags every two months of lamb with something else incorporated into it. And that just goes straight into checkout. It's such a seamless flow. And if the customer doesn't purchase, well, we still have all that data stored and it's saved as well. So if you come back and want to take the quiz again, you can start where you left off or you can just re redo it. And you can keep pushing down this road. I mean, we, we've kind of 
talked you know figuratively through how this would play out as you keep going through the post-purchase but now you have all that data now let's say they're on a subscription now you can send them even more personalized touch points whether it's an upcoming charge notification whether it's you know hey it's over summer are you going on vacation you can always skip this shipment whatever it ends up being but now mm-hmm. you know exactly what's going on you know who the buyer is you know who the pet is and you can offer those those suggestions on here's an upsell, here's a cross-sell. If you need to skip, feel free. Here's some training. Here's some examples on what other brands are doing, you know, customer uh, reviews, all those types of, thing, types of things. It all lays over, but it doesn't work unless you really understand who the buyer is. And I mean, I guess the, the person is the one buying in this example, it's not a pet <laughs> actually buying, but you got to understand yeah. who the final uh, who the final actual user of the product is. Yeah. So it would be awesome if my dog could hop on the internet and start purchasing food for her. I would uh, have quite the credit card bill. Um, Maybe it won't be awesome for you if that could happen. (laughs) So I think the elephant in the room, though, is acquisition costs have never been higher. So what are some things that you're seeing within the ecosystem of how merchants are addressing that? Because, I mean, we can only increase the lifetime value so much. So what are some sort of tips and tricks that you've seen um, going around? So I, I think one is very obvious, everything we've been talking about. It's it's if you can get that data up front and if you can understand what people are looking for up front, it's a lot easier to retain people. Um, I think even just scrolling through Instagram ads, Facebook ads, you know, all, all that stuff I'm targeted for as well. But if it's a customized ad, if they know what I'm looking for and if there's a valid reason for it, there's a lot more, lot higher likelihood of a chance that I'm gonna stick around and continue to buy and continue to subscribe. So I think that's first and foremost, just kind of the customized stuff, like make sure you're targeting the right people. Second question or second answer, and and I think it may also be cheating a little bit, but I think retention is more important than acquisition to a point. Um, Like obviously if there is no acquisition, you can't retain anyone. So acquisition is definitely important. I'm not saying it's not, but there is a point where if you have a certain amount of subscribers, retaining those subscribers month over month is more important than gaining new ones. So Mm -hmm. having that post-purchase flow built out before anyone even gets to your site is super important. Having options for them to text you or email you with quick actions via Clavio is super important. Being able to cater towards what the customer actually needs is super important. And at a certain point, they may churn out just naturally. Like, you know, people don't subscribe for 48 months at a time. It's hard to get people for four years. But if you can get people retained month over month over month for a handful of months, they're a lot more likely to stay if you can actually drive value. So I, I don't know if that's a great answer of what you're looking for, of how to kind of get around the acquisition costs and how to maybe find a tip and trick there. But I, I, I would argue that retention is just as important as acquisition, if not even more so in today's e-commerce. I feel like it's just maybe not as sexy or something because I've been in quite a few Clavio accounts and I can't even tell you how many just stop after the second order. Like that's where the post-purchase flow ends. And it's like, what are you doing for customers who have purchased 10 times or more from you? And it's like, well, there's probably not that many of those. It's like, no, in fact, there's thousands of people who have ordered from you 10 times or more. Like, how do you get those people to not only purchase more, but start to build a community? Like, are you going to create a Discord, a Facebook group? You're going to do your own community app. Are you going to like build out a really robust referral program? How are you surprising and delighting these loyalists that you have versus giving them the cookie cutter approach? And then you can really just substantially decrease your customer acquisition costs by enabling your current customers to refer and earn. So I think that's like been a big emphasis for us this year is how do we take the loyal customers that we already have and turn them into Facebook ads for us basically. 
I'll give you two examples on there. Number one, a, a physical gift works really well. And I think that's pretty popular. A lot of brands do that. Um, I personally subscribe to Magic Spoon, the, the cereal, the healthy alternative mm -hmm. cereal. Um, one, it's delicious. But two, uh, at my six month mark, they sent me a, a little box with a card in it that said, hey, thanks for being a subscriber for six months. Had a really cool cereal bowl and a spoon that said Magic Spoon on it that I thought was actually kind of cool. Uh, but I actually wake up every morning now and I'm pumped to go downstairs and like, <laughs> use my little cool little bowl. And my fiance hates that I use this neon green and blue and yellow bowl instead of our classic ones that match our, our uh, dishes everywhere else. Just, oh, that's crazy. But it, it's awesome. It's a super cool bowl. It gets me excited. It gets me closer to the brand. So I think okay. gifts definitely work. That's number one. Two, you mentioned like Facebook groups or a Discord group or something like that. I think that is such an underutilized value add. Um, especially if you have a product that, that naturally lends itself to communication or to interaction with people. Um, so the example I have is Boxu. Uh, Danny Tang, founder of Boxu, has done a phenomenal job with his Facebook groups where uh, they offer Japanese snacks and they're straight from Japan. He has personal relationships with people in Japan who make all these snacks. The products even come in Japanese labels. So oftentimes you get this thing and you have no idea what you're eating. But it's a super cool place where you can log on to this Facebook group um, it's only for the subscribers and you can actually interact with people and say, not only like, Hey, I really like this one. I don't really like this one, but there's founder stories in there. So there are people who are making the product saying, this is super cool. I'm really happy you're making this. How do you do it? What are the ingredients? And everyone kind of interacts with everyone. That's the true way to create a community. I think just simply saying like, Oh yeah, put a Facebook group together or put a discord together. So to get everyone <laughs> in there, like that's like, it works. But like, that's yeah. not the right way to do it. You put people in a group that actually matter. It's intentional. It's exactly what we were talking about. It's this customized touch points. It's this retention strategy that starts before you even think about getting a brand in or getting a person into the brand. Uh, those kind of things really, really foster more retention. And it truly is a hack for, you know, higher acquisition costs. Yeah. And when the community starts to support itself, then the brand doesn't even have to do anything. So you have customers who are helping one another out. They're sharing tips and tricks. Maybe they're sharing recipes. This is how I eat this. This is how I eat that. And I mean, the brand just sits back, moderates and doesn't have to do anything. So yeah, definitely it's like meal delivery kits is another great one. Put people in there and say, Hey, what are you doing with this thing that was just delivered this month? Maybe it's yeah. a weird type of meat or a vegetable or something. How are you cooking this? What are you mixing it with? What seasoning spices you put every people in the group. That's a phenomenal community right there. I think it all comes down to authenticity. And there's brands that have it and there's brands that don't and customers are getting really more and more sharp about figuring out which ones do and do not. So I say that all the time. P people are not stupid. People figure this stuff out and they can really see through brands who are trying to do this either like A for money or B just to say, yeah, we have a community. We can do that for sure. Like people are really good at figuring these things out. They want value. And that's not always in the form of a dollar. I couldn't agree more. Well, this is awesome. Thanks for doing this. I think Anybody who is listening to this definitely has a stronger grasp on how they're going to be able to increase the lifetime value for their brand this year. Um, and I guess if there's one parting tip, we would both say it's be authentic and do what you would want to receive as a customer. Yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Appreciate it.